you will all fall away. The write-off, part deux. The write-offs, part deux. Today, I went to church, had a wonderful sermon. Before I went, I got up and I saw Gerald. And I thought, yep, he's going to die by the time I get back from church. He's not going to make it. I'm going to have to go get my net, make sure he's dead, and maybe flush him down the toilet, give him the last rites. But I would never flush a dead fish. They were actually saying on the internet, you know, um, you can put clove oil into water, um, and you can anesthetize the fish, anesthetize the fish, so that the clove oil relaxes him. And then he just stops breathing and you just do it slowly. And then he just stops breathing and he dies. But I thought, I've never done that before and I don't want to do that. But when I came back, uh, Gerald, or I mean Lazarus, you know, the prince formerly known, the artist formerly known as Prince, the fish formerly known as Gerald, was looking a whole lot better. Today is his resurrection day. And I went and heard the pastor today. And you know, the pastor was awesome. He preached from Mark 14. And it's amazing how people can look at a Christian man, you know, with just bathed in the Holy Spirit, who can just preach something. It's like, I've never heard those connections before. And it was really great. And it was about, you guessed it, it was about Peter. Let me read for it. Let me read it to you. Mark 14, 66 to 72. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you were also with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders said again to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on him and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. You know, what a great, sermon it was and this is just my recollection of what i heard so if you hear something amazing give god give the glory and recognize that i'm only reflecting what i heard i really didn't come up with it on my own i'm not that creative i'm just a hunter gatherer <laughs> laughably i just tell you what i've heard and you know peter jesus called peter simon which is you know he called him you know rock you know, he, he said that he had potential. Jesus saw the potential that he had. He sees the potential in all of us. What we could have become without sin. What we should have become. What we can become with, with God's sanctifying power. With Jesus' help. With the power of the Holy Ghost living in us. He sees our potential. Not what we can do on our own. What we can do on our own is threadbare and pathetic. Human beings without God will never do anything. All they'll just decay. It's spiritual entropy. And, but Peter was flawed. We're all flawed. He had doubts. He got scared. There was a lot of bravado. There was a lot of arrogance in him. 
He was unfiltered. He shot off his mouth before he thought. And there are people like that. There's also people who are shy and thoughtful and they have a lot of analysis paralysis. They think about everything and never say anything. And maybe they don't get things done because they're afraid. I'm kind of like that. But the pastor said Peter was a hero that went to a zero. Wasn't Peter the guy that Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, he had failure after failure. He cut off the air of the servant of the high priest, right? He was carrying a sword, you know, he was carrying a sword um, around. And Jesus said, put the sword away. Don't you know that that can cause problems? And I think that's in, let me just see if I can find that in Luke in Luke, Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 37, For I tell you that the scripture must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. I wonder if he was talking to Peter literally, because Peter was carrying around a knife. When my cousin was young, he kind of ran with a rough crowd in high school and he was carrying around a butter knife. He never pulled it on anybody, but he was carrying around this knife that you could flick and kind of, you know, play with. I don't know. It was maybe he had seen too many ninja movies. And I said to him, why are you doing that? Why, why are you carrying this knife? Well, it's just cool. Everybody else is. I don't actually do anything with it. And he didn't have that kind of personality, but he didn't want to be perceived as a loser or to be left out. And the people that he was running with in high school, hanging out with the crowd, maybe they were trying to play tough rather than be tough. They all carried these butter butterfly knives. But he never got into violence or a spat about it. You know? And in Mark 14, it says, the, the, the servant girl says, you were with the Nazarene Jesus. And I've seen that word Nazarene before. Isn't that the same thing that Samson had? He was a Nazarene and he was going to say a vow to, to God never to cut his hair and never to take the fruit of the vine. And yet somehow when she says the Nazarene, like, is it an insult? Is it a pejorative? Because the pastor said it meant troublemaker. Isn't it weird that Jesus came from a city called Nazareth? And one of the disciples said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Like, how come Nazareth and Nazarene sound exactly the same? Is that a coincidence? And I think there's a, a, a verse about, about this. Let me just read it here. Always going to the scripture. Nazarene, Nazareth. What a strange coincidence. I guess the world thinks that Jesus is, quote, a troublemaker. Matthew 2, 22 and 23. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So that's talking about um, Joseph. So when Herod dies, um, the one that was pursuing Jesus, Joseph's again given a dream. So he definitely had some kind of connection with God and he goes to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that he might was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. So the prophets said that he would be called a Nazarene, but Nazarene has some kind of pejorative. It has some kind of stigma attached to it, like troublemaker. Isn't that very weird how that happened? And also in Acts, if we flip to Acts really quick, like it always helps to be prepared. 
sometimes I hear a Bible verse and I think, that's amazing, but then I don't write it down. But this time I did, because it's good to be prepared. Acts 24, verses 5. And talking about Paul now. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Oh, wow. Wow, the sect of the Nazarenes. Jesus was a Nazarene. He was that ringleader. He's that sect. We're, we're Christians. We're a sect of the Nazarenes, the troublemakers. The ones who stir up trouble, the ones that people like to put the blame on. You know, you're the black sheep, you know. You're the guy uh, stirring the pot. But you know something? Isn't it something how Peter, from all of this, and before I remark on that, I have to go back to Mark, and I have to read, it says here, Mark 14, verse 72. It says, Peter broke down and wept. Peter broke down and wept. And let me just see if I can find in Luke, in Luke, in Luke here, I have to, these chapters are very long. In Luke, it says here, Luke 22, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Luke 23, verses 62. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine if that would have been the end of the story? It would have been lamentably bad. Peter would have turned from hero to zero. And that would have been the end of it. And it would have been a defeatist story. Just like today with this write-off fish that I had. But the story doesn't end there. It says that Peter became restored. And isn't it something that in the Gospel of Mark, Peter is the source for Mark? Peter is the source that Mark is writing this story. So Peter's not covering up his defeat. There's no point in covering up the defeat. And he's humble enough to let people know the true story. Maybe people look at your life and you try to cover up the bad parts of your life, the parts you failed. But you know what? Maybe that's the parts that God... I'm not saying to tell everybody all the terrible things that have happened. I'm not saying that. There are some things that have happened to me, to you, to others who are followers of Jesus. We'd rather not have people know. But somehow you know, and isn't that enough to know that despite those failures, despite the problems, despite the embarrassment, despite the tears, despite the anguish, God takes a zero and turns him into a hero and her too. God takes a zero and turns her into a heroine. Isn't that wonderful? Peter went from hero to zero and then he went from zero back to hero. He was restored. Isn't that so? So Jesus saw the potential, but the potential didn't come out right away. Peter saw that, Jesus saw that Peter would fall away. All will fall away, but but, whenever you see a but in the scriptures, I guess in this context, it's a good thing, right? Jesus sees the potential. He sees the future. He sees the you. Mark 14, verses 27. You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But, 
verse 28. But, I love this, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. This crazy fish, Lazarus, formerly called Gerald, was going to die today. But when I came back from church, he was sitting on the leaf and he took four pieces of food. Isn't that amazing? But God hears prayers of guys who do crazy podcasts. Give God the glory. It's amazing. And you know, it says in Mark 16, it says, Mark 16, verse 7, but go tell his disciples. And this was a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. So this wasn't Jesus. But it says here, it says, go tell his disciples and Peter. It's got Peter. And tell Peter too, specifically him, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Failure is not final. And you know something? The pastor made a connection today I've never heard about. Peter denied Jesus in front of a charcoal fire. Three times he denied Jesus. He was the one that said, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this answer to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And that same man disavowed Jesus and tried to distance himself from Jesus because he got afraid for his life. He was afraid to stand up for the truth that he knew. And he did it in front of a charcoal fire. And again, Jesus comes through in John 21. And it says, John 21 verses 9, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Peter denied that Jesus over a charcoal fire are my notes here. But it says, but he's also the one that Jesus makes them a meal. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says it three times. The pastor was saying that three is also a number of completion. I guess with God, numbers have different meanings and some of them could be the same. I thought seven was the number of completion, but three, three days and three nights. Jesus rose on the third day. You know what I mean? The game changed on three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wow. As Fertig said, Jesus died on Friday. The movement had come to an end. Jesus was defeated. He died on a cross. But Sunday came. And now the cross is redemption. Come to the cross and have your sins cleared cleansed. God took a symbol of death and shame from the old covenant and turned it into a fighting symbol for hope. And resurrection. Oh my goodness, who else can do that but God? Who can take a situation where you are totally defeated and you are a write-off and God can turn it around for good until you're victorious? Only God, our Father, can do that. Only Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, can do that. Only the heroes, the Holy Spirit that comes from God can do that. The Holy Spirit 
the hero spirit. I don't care what kind of spirit you call. It's the one from God. He takes a hero that went to a zero and he takes that zero and turns him into a hero. I don't know about you folks, but I'm getting plenty excited about that because I've done a lot of things where I felt like a zero. But because of my God, man, I feel like a hero. I got to go back for the 430. But Peter preached that sermon and in Acts 4 verses 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you girls and you guys out there just love that? God takes our lives. My grace is sufficient for you, God says. And he takes your life. He turns you into a hero. This is not just a job. It's an adventure. This adventure is going to last you for all eternity. You will never die. You will never cry. You will never see death. You will live forever. And every day will get better than the last. As the pastor said, Jesus breaks into the brokenness of our life. Jesus prays for us when we are asleep. It's not a partial restoration. It's a full restoration. God bless you all. See you soon.